Welcome to FCPD Black, White, and Blue, a podcast series about the experiences of police officers, both past and present, and our work with community partners in building bridges beyond the badge to serve Fairfax County's diverse communities. As you may know, September 15th through October 15th is Hispanic Heritage Month. Throughout the month, we're highlighting some of our Hispanic officers and how their culture plays an important role in law enforcement. Today, we're speaking with Officer Damaris Ocasio. Welcome. Thank you. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So if you would, tell us a little bit about yourself, your time on the department, and a little bit about your background. So I'm from Virginia. I was born and raised in Virginia. A little bit about myself. I grew up in Woodbridge, Virginia, and I come from a Salvadoran family, both mom and dad. They migrated back in 1989. Um, I come from a big household where a total of seven siblings, two parents, obviously two. Um, same mom and dad. Um, it was just um, something great growing up, always being, you know, actually the only person in my family that I first learned how to speak English. My two older siblings, they didn't really speak much English, so we pretty much learned together. But I pretty much caught it faster because I just would watch more TV than they would. Um, so a little bit about that. And then um, I've been in law enforcement for 10 years now. I've been with the department for three. And I've been on patrol for two after the academy. And it's been pretty much a good experience being out. Previously, I was deputy for seven years. And bringing that experience out here on the streets um, has actually really been a blessing, especially in the times that we are now and in the Hispanic community also. I am bilingual, so I do speak Spanish, like I said before, English actually spoke first to my family. I taught my parents to this day. I still do teach them sometimes. I'm like, no, you don't say it like that. You have to say it like this. Um, but yeah. So talk to us a little bit about your family's culture and how it shaped you to be the officer you are today and how that helps our community while you're out there on the streets serving Fairfax County. So growing up, um, I was only girl for 16 years. So it's five boys, two girls. I'm number three. My little sister's number seven. Um, I was always pretty much around boys, and they always, my brothers would, like, not bully me, but always push me. You know, sometimes when I would fall and cry, they're like, no, get up. Come on. So I learned that at a really, really young age, and then I had three younger siblings after me, and pretty much I was like a role model. I've always been, I, I, I see myself like, you know, People looking up to me, especially like my younger siblings, they always ask me. They would always see that, you know, I always used to do like my homework. I always used to clean, cook, do everything, help my mom because I was the only girl and it was five boys and my dad. And I always, I, I remember growing up actually, you know, it was in Woodbridge, it's a high population of Hispanics. And I remember I had a couple of encounters with some officers um, in Prince William and some of them were good. Some of them weren't that good. But what really grabbed my attention was actually in middle school. Um, this young lady, she would run away um, from school and the officer, and I'm like, you know, wanted to speak to me because I knew her. And I was like, oh, you know, and he just pretty much told me, you know, it's 
how important it is to always do the right thing, how important it is always to, you know, say the truth and everything. And and that's how I grew up anyways. Um, and just always just wanting to do the right thing. I've never, I've been a scaredy cat and never did drugs because I'm like, I know what it's going to do to me. I always just like doing the right thing. It just made me feel better. And at home, always my parents telling us, you know, we grew in a Christian home. So they would always tell us, you know, do the right thing, you know, help others. And I had no choice pretty much growing up. I was the first one to graduate, you know, high school for my two older siblings. They didn't graduate. And my mom pretty much told me, you have no choice. You need to go to college. I was like, okay. So um, I thought I wanted to be a probation officer, quite frankly. But after learning a little bit more about policing and how much our Hispanic community lacks in education of knowing what we do, it just made me want to help them and know and let them know what is like what our true duties are, not just what, you know, the media tells, especially, you know, we just watch, you know, our Hispanic channels. We we don't have the luxury of having, you know, three different, four different, you know, news that can you can be like, okay, I'll pick this from this channel and this from this channel. No, our culture is just it's this and this only, and it really made me sad, honestly, because I'm like, you know, sometimes we make decisions, and you know, our parents come from you know third world country, thinking that they're doing what's best for them, but you know, I just felt like I had to be that different person in my family, you know, not be the normal statistic of, you know, being uneducated. I was going to take full advantage of what my parents came here and to teach them what's right and look things up. And by being in law enforcement, I just felt that that just gave me the pretty much the power to show people or and prove to them, not just by what the media says, but by actual evidence and be like, no, it's, it's not right. This is what we do, you know? And I just feel like I've all, I've, it's just been an adventure. Some people, you know, see it as being a female, number one, being a minority. And then in law enforcement, it's like, oh no, we're supposed to, you know, you're supposed to have my back just because we're Hispanic. And at to a point, it is because I'll speak in Spanish. I'll make you feel comfortable. But other than that, you know, I just think of, I go by what the law says. I go by what the book says, you know. But that's what I was taught. That's how I was raised with my morals, you know. And never forget, you know, where you came from. You know, regardless, we have a job to do, you know. So what does it mean for you and in, in the Hispanic culture, especially even being a woman, a minority on a police department? How does that impact your culture and the perception of others, you know, of you? Sometimes it's a little bit of both. Um, now with, you know, the times changing and stuff, it's gotten better. Um, but first it's like, no, you like, you know, why are you going to do that? You know, you're you're female. You're supposed to be home. You know, you're supposed to take care of kids. You know, you're supposed to be a wife. You're supposed to be this. Um, and it was hard because you're, as a female in the Hispanic culture, you're seen as someone that's supposed to stay home. And I've been one that I've never stayed home. I always like to be out. I always like to, you know, be doing something, something productive, a goal, a, you know, a hobby, something. And, you know, in a lot, even in a professional environment, you know, we go on calls and, you know, men look at me like, no, like, what are you doing here? You know, you you don't know what I'm doing. Like, I'm the man. And it's like, no, like, 
you can't do that. Or, you know, or sometimes females are like, oh, no, you're, you know, you're Hispanic. You're supposed to help me out. But no, but you did the wrong thing. You can't be doing that. And sometimes, you know, in my experience, even you are looked down upon. Some people are will praise you, but some people will be like, what are you doing? You know, and it's sad because I remember when I first started, I was 21 and I worked in a jail and my mom would be like, you know, put that thing on the thing that goes under your shirt, you know, just to protect yourself. And, you know, she was probably my number one fan always telling me, you know, you know, go, you know, always, she always called it that in the thing that protects you inside your shirt. You know, it's like, she, you know, I'm like, mom, it's a vest, you know, but at the same time, she, she would, then mom comes out and it's like, you know, I don't really want you to do this. Is this what you really want to do? And I'm like, mom, yeah. And she's like, you know, there's dangerous people. And especially like, I mean, I'm five, two, I'm not that tall, you know, it's, it's, it's been very difficult, but I think just learning how to speak to people, how to respect them, try to relate a little bit to them has helped me. But, I mean, there's days where I'm like, man, this is tough, you know, especially for my people. It's like, no, you're not supposed to be doing I've been disrespected so many times by my own people, especially by, you know, the Hispanic men because they're like, who are you? You know, they don't respect their significant other of what makes me think that they're going to respect me. They think that, oh, just because you're a police officer, you know, you think you're all that. It's like, no, it's not that. It's, I'm trying to help you. You know, I'm trying to let you know, you know, what's really going on. Just because, you know, I'm a girl, you know, or I have my nails painted or something, it doesn't matter. I'm still human. I still go home. I still go cook, clean. I do everything plus this, you know. So in, in visiting even in El Salvador sometimes, you know, growing up, I never once saw a Hispan, I mean, a female wearing a uniform. Never. Even in, even when I've gone to like, say like, you know, Central America, I've never seen a female in a uniform. And that's actually heartbreaking because I'm like, man, like they actually don't believe in it, you know, until you come here to the United States and maybe some other countries. But what I've seen in my experience, I've never seen another female in uniform in Central America. So you're breaking through some boundaries. Absolutely. Which is awesome. And and that kind of leads me to my next question, you know, being that you have a great cultural experience and in, in a Hispanic female, how has your culture benefited our community and your, you know, intimate knowledge of the Hispanic community? How does that benefit you and our community on patrol? I would say number one is the language. You know, once I see, you know, they try to, some of them do try to speak to me in English. And I'll be like, you know, would you like to speak Spanish? Like, oh, yes, yes. And we speak Spanish. Some of them demand that I just speak Spanish, you know. So I've had a little bit of both. Um, It's always just relating to them. You know, they always ask me, where are you from? You know, where are your parents from? You know, I'm like, you know, they're from El Salvador. Like, oh, wow. You know, and then that has actually opened up a lot of people in, you know, they've, told me before, you know, we've had other officers, but other officers have never spoke Spanish or they actually didn't take the time to talk to me because usually, you know, if I get on calls and stuff, a lot of domestics, you know, females don't want to talk because in in the Hispanic culture, you don't call the police, you know, and I always tell them it's not because we want to get someone in trouble. It's just because we want to get to have the help that you need because a lot of kids, you know, sometimes the children see these things and it just... It affects them growing up, you know, but 
I just think that with my experience, I've just been able to also, maybe they don't want to open up exactly, but there, I tell them, you know, there's other programs that can help you, but just the Spanish speaking, you know, or even like, they just feel more comfortable. And even men sometimes they're like, yeah, you know, they'll tell me I did it. Or, you know, if I had a DUI, it's like, what are you doing, man? And I just talked to them in Spanish. They just completely, they feel more comfortable sometimes. And I tell them, you know, it's okay. It's okay. We're going to get through this, but just tell me what happened and, you know, we'll get through it. But just the language, I think that's one of the biggest things. And also just getting down to sometimes, you know, I don't want to say down to their level, but of the way that they think, you know, I sit back and I'm like, I can't think that way too quick because they don't know a lot of this stuff. A lot of these people, they barely know how to speak. And I've had encounters where I can't even speak like they speak Spanish or a dialect. And I've run into situations where I need an interpreter from for the dialect. So it's like, me speaking Spanish, I have a person that's translates, translating the dialect, and then I'm translating to the officers. So it's like three people in one, you know, but I think just it's I've had them ask me, you know, what's your number or this? And I'm like, just call the station or something. But it's just I think it's a lot of the speaking and just relating to them like you know I know what you mean because I have family a lot of you know that a lot of things that I do come into is like people that you know are undocumented and I tell them it's okay like I have family that's done that it's you're not the only one and once you build that rapport with them and just educate them a little bit of what we do like you know they actually like oh I didn't know that and they start feeling a little more comfortable because they're scared of what the media says oh you know they thought that I'm ice they think that I'm going to take them and I'm going to deport them. I'm like, that's not what I do. I'm here just for the call and that's it. And they're like, really? But that's not what the news says. And I'm like, no, seriously, I'm not. Whatever happens after you have anything pending, that has nothing to do with me. But it's a big difference when you tell them, you know, that we're not ICE and ICE is what scares them, you know, immigration. But just educating them also knowing that the police department were different than, you know, the immigration and federal agents that actually do target, you know, them. But So speaking yeah. a little bit about your interactions with the community, mm-hmm. is there a call for service or a moment where you really felt like your background has been beneficial to someone or a specific moment in time? Yes. So we did have a call where I actually went to translate. It was for a young mom who was in an abusive relationship and had just had a baby. Maybe the baby was two weeks old. And she had bruising all over her body. And she reported, um, she, so she, they, they live in a little room. It's the boyfriend, the girl, and the baby, the newborn. And I saw her, you know, I said, what's going on? And she's like, oh, no, you know, he, he was choking me. And I said, what do you mean? And he's like, oh, no, 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 nothing, nothing. And I was like, no, like, tell me. I, I see the marks, you know, on your on your neck. What's going on? You know, oh, and you just had a baby. And this situation, this call was actually, was really touching because what had happened after, you know, talking to her and everything, um, the father was upset with the mom. And they were teen. They were probably 18. 
and didn't speak English, just spoke Spanish, and he he abused her throughout the pregnancy, throughout the whole pregnancy. Um, and this actually came out through her because I had to first build a rapport. I said, look, I want to help you. You're young and, you know, you have a baby to think about. And the baby was actually injured by the father um, because they were arguing and he grabs a baby and the baby hits her head on the on the door. And I said, look, like, you have to do this for your baby. You know, tell me what really happened. You know, tell me what what happened, what's going on. And she's like, no, I just I just can't get him in trouble. I can't get him in trouble because he's going to get deported. I said, no, that's not going to happen. Like, we want to know what happened because your baby, your baby's hurt. And she just starts spilling, literally spilling. He's, you know, he's sexually abused me throughout the whole pregnancy after I came home from having the baby he kept on sexually abusing me and she even told me she's like I have not you know stopped bleeding and it had been no no it was probably a month or so and she's like I I don't know what's going on you know and it just broke my heart because she's alone her parents aren't here and she thought that this guy, you know, was going to change her life by her coming here because they had apparently been talking from when he was here in the United States and she was back home. Um, and it just broke my heart because I told her, you know, it's okay. Like, what's going what's going on is not okay, but it's okay to talk and say things. So, you know, we went to the hospital, went through everything, and she... You know, even the doctors, you know, they usually ask, hey, do you want the officer here? And she's like, yes, yes, like, I want her here with me, you know. And through the whole process, I was there, you know, asking her, you know, is she okay? Is this going on? And the more, like, we spent time together, she just opened up more, you know, because she knew, like, you know, we wanted what was the best interest for her and her daughter. And, you know, just seeing when I see people like that, it just reminds me of growing up like I had family members that same thing happened and I would see I would be like mom why is you know why is her eye black or why is this and you know it just made me remember growing up I would see things I would see like my uncle like you know hit my aunt not not I wouldn't see it but I would see the results of it and I just didn't understand and it just brought me back you know and I'm like man if only she knew you know, that she could call the police and she could get help, you know, and she didn't. And my cousins, my little cousins would see that growing up. And that's what just made me with this specific call. Like, I'm like, I have to help her. I have to build this rapport. I have to know that, let her know that she can trust me in telling me everything. And she sure did. And I just felt, it felt like an accomplishment. Like, now she knows you know, that what's going on is not okay because it came down to she even showed me text messages of him, you know, threatening her. And it was everything and pictures of her bruisings on her body. And it was just, it was, it was really real, if I can say. It was like growing up, I would see the results of what it was. And now I know what went on and that's like years later because you know mom didn't want to tell me what was really going on with aunt and uncle it was just you know I remember one time we went um, to the Spanish store with my mom and my aunt and she went to go um, order some meat and the guy the guy that was cutting you know the meat was like 
oh, did, she, did you get into a boxing match with your husband? You know, because she had a black eye. And it was so embarrassing. I was like, oh, my God. You know, like, that's sad. You know, you're walking around here, you know, with a black eye, and you didn't, and no one could help her, you know, because she didn't trust anyone. She didn't trust law enforcement. She didn't trust anyone of authority to actually help her, you know. So, yeah. Sounds like you're in the right place at the right time. And hopefully she's doing better and, oh, absolutely. and you were able to get her through the, absolutely. the process. And that's the aunt that always calls me. <laughs> what do you think about this? What, can you believe that? Or, you know, my friend, I'm like, Tia, who is it for? <laughs> you know, is it for you? Is it for a friend? You know, but I always, I always, always try to do my best, you know, and it, it's, it feels like it happens to you sometimes, especially when people open up so much that you just met and it's the first time, you know, you meet them. And I, I, I try to put myself in their situation. I'm like, I don't think I could open up to someone so fast and be like, you know, it would have to be a really strong bond. And when that happened, I just felt like, wow, like, thank God. I don't know what I said, but, you know, it was just something that I really care, you know, because I saw it as a little sister because I have a little sister myself. And, you know, I can't imagine anyone ever hurting my little sister because that would be really, really bad. And I just saw her like innocently just wanting help, but being scared at the same time. And she would just tell me, I'm going to be okay. And I'm like, yes, like I was going to say see, because I'm translating it in my head. Um, But I was like, yes, like I'm here with you and anything you need, you know, I'm here. If I can help, like I will. It sounds like you're in the perfect place at the perfect time. It was good that you were there to help her too. And just one of the the many benefits of having a diverse police department, you know, you can relate in those situations, which is, you know, something that we all can't necessarily do. So that's fantastic. So I'm kind of seeing a little bit of that, uh, maybe your passion for law enforcement shining through in some of our conversation. So that leads me to wonder, you know, what got you here? What made you want to become a police officer? Like I said before, um, growing up, I always, I've had good encounters with officers. I've had bad encounter with officers. Um, But it was just always, I always like just to do the right thing. I didn't really like to get in trouble. Um, I always try to just do good. I did, I would defend myself. I'm not going to lie, but I wouldn't be a starter. I was, I was more always of the peace like when my brothers would argue, I mean, it was a crazy household. The house is always full. I mean, we had five boys, they would they would fight their boys. They argue and be like, you know, stop and, you know, this. Or what do you think? He told me this or he told me that. And then, you know, I was always like problem solving for them. And then here came the girlfriends and the girlfriends were fighting. And my brothers would be like, oh, you know, my girlfriend did this or my girlfriend did that. And it was just always problem solving. And... When I was, I graduated high school, I always, like, wanted to do, I knew I wanted to be in, say, like, in law enforcement, some type, some form, but I just didn't know what. Um, And it's kind of funny because, like I said before, I wanted to, I thought I wanted to be, like, a probation officer, helping people that are in trouble helping people that actually want to change, you know, because, I mean, some people do want to change, some people don't want to change. And um, I was actually looking for an internship in, um, at the jail because the sheriff 
where I used to work at the bank when I had just turned 18, I met him and he's like, I'll give you a job. And I was like, a job? And I was like, what do you do? He's like, at the jail. And I said, okay. I just said, okay. I applied, I went through, and I worked at the jail for three and a half years. And I learned so much of how to talk to people. But I just didn't feel like that was enough for me because I was in a more so controlled environment where people were, you know, in jail already. And I was like, well, yeah, I can. I would talk to him, like, you know, try to do better. Someone would come back and be like, you know, deputy, I'm sorry, I'm back, I'm back. And I'm like, what'd you do? So I was like, okay, this, this, I just didn't feel like I was giving, like, you know, the community what I had to offer. And I went to, um, to work at the courthouse. Then I learned what happens behind the scenes after people are charged. Um, and I worked in most of my time, I worked in the juvenile domestic relations court. And I'll never forget after I heard a really, really sad case, I said, I can't do this. Like, I want to be out there. I want to be out there. I want to be when it just happened or, you know, when it's going on or when someone reports it so I can actually be out there, you know, and I looked into different departments, um, and it was between Prince William and Fairfax and Fairfax is just, I mean, it's the elite of the East Coast, you know, and I was like, I have to go there, you know, because I just felt like I just had too much to offer in, like, in relating to people um, and, you know, just growing up in a very, a very, I guess, full household I just, I knew different because every single brother of mine, they all have different personalities, you know, and I just felt like, you know, I could talk to someone just by talking to someone. And I, um, I felt like I could, you know, deescalate the situation. And um, I just knew that I wanted to be out. I love working the streets. I tell myself every day, why didn't I come here? Why didn't I start, you know, sooner? Because every day, Every call is different, you know, and we leave people with, you know, a certain like memory of or an encounter with someone um, of how it is. And I have to sometimes remind myself, you know, maybe this is the first time they've called the police, you know, maybe it's the last time they'll call the police. But I just wanted to be that different person when I say, oh, yeah, that little Hispanic, short Hispanic Officer, yeah, her. She's the one, you know, that helped me out. You know, I want to be that person that actually, you know, sometimes, you know, we're quick not to judge, but quick to react. Sometimes, you know, we just have to take a step back. And that's what I always do tell myself. I literally have to tell myself, like, stop, just listen, you know. And when people actually start talking, you know, you have to listen. I've learned to listen. And then that's when start things start coming out. You know, I just love being out in the community. I love talking to people. Like, I can talk all day long. You know, it doesn't matter. I'll be in line and just start a conversation with someone, you know. But I just felt like I just had to come to the police department because I wanted to be out. I wanted to, you know, tell people, especially in my community, that are uneducated, you know, it like educate them. Give them a little bit. At least if I give them a little bit, They'll take that and, you know, look it up or ask or, you know, do something with it. Or even if it's the kids that are translating for parents, I can put something in that young child and, you know, that will last for life and be like, at least that officer right there 
helped me and I'll never forget it, you know, because I remember growing up, um, the officers would come and talk to us and I loved them. I loved the officers. I'm like, I want to be, sometimes I would be like, I want to be one of them one day. But I never knew until the passion came out of actually just, it's not just about, you know, arresting people, taking them to jail. Absolutely. The ones that deserve it, they should. But there's the other ones that just need that little, you know, that extra kick, that extra, you know, someone listening to them for one extra minute or something. And I just feel like, you know, growing up, I got a lot of that of how to listen, how to help, because a lot of people, you know, it's sad, but they're unfortunate that they'll never be able to get out of a certain situation. But I just knew that I had to help people like education in law enforcement because we have so many programs up out there to help anyone not just the hispanics to help any minority to help anyone it doesn't matter to help all of them and i just knew that i had that energy because sometimes i feel so like you know i i don't i sometimes I, i'm like okay i'm a little tired and then when i see like a child or someone you know they're like oh you know the police are here or something you know they just wave they're innocent they don't know you know and I just knew that I wanted to plant that seed in whoever I can, that we're not bad, you know, that we're actually good people. And at the end of the day, we're all humans, you know, just because I wear a vest, just because I wear a badge and these boots and my hair is up, it doesn't mean I don't have feelings. And that's what I tell them a lot of the time. You know, I'm human, too. You know, when I at the end of the shift, this goes off. I'm a girl. I'm a girly girl. <laughs> you know, I cry, too. You know, there's been times when I really, really, it just breaks my heart to see certain things. But, you know, and then I remember, like, I, that I do a different, I'll make, I know I made a difference in this call. So knowing your passion for the job, you know, it's obvious you love what you do. And I, I love that it shines through just in your <laughs> face and in your conversation. What advice would you give a member of our Hispanic community or anyone who is, thinking about a career in law enforcement or maybe kind of in the process of applying, like what would be something you'd like to say to them? Don't give up. Just do it. You know, don't don't think about what other people think about you because there you will be criticized. You will get hate for it. But don't let that affect what you have to offer. You know, when you have a passion, do it. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be hard. But the reward at the end, it's worth everything, you know. And we have to make a difference, even if it's every single person. And if you believe you can do it, you will do it and you will achieve it, you know. And it's we need more officers that speak Spanish. If they speak Spanish, that's great. It's it's something that, you know, a lot of people wish. I, I, I took French myself in high school. And Me too. <laughs> and... I can't tell you, I four years and I still can just say hi and how are you doing and my name is and that's it, you know. But if you have more to offer, do it. Don't give up, you know. Just don't give up because we have, we need more people like that, you know. And make the difference. And that's my thing about always being different, making a difference. Because even, even in any culture and any race, it's hard to be in law enforcement, it doesn't matter, especially during, you know, these times. But my thing is, just start. If you do it, just do it. What do you have to lose? You, what do you really have to lose? But to actually gain, 
you know, the trust and then make a difference in these families, you know, that don't know anything, you know, or just go based on what the media says. Don't give up. Just do it. Be that difference. That's inspiring. And, you know, if people are interested in a career in law enforcement and they're not really sure what we do, they've got the ride-along program, they've got the public safety cadets, we've got the community police academy. There's so many ways for them to get involved and really see if this is for them. Absolutely. And actually, um, that we were talking about, that I actually had a girl from one of our local schools here in Fairfax County. You know, she said she wanted to do it, but she was scared. And I said, what are you scared of, you know? She's like, no, I just, you know, I don't know what's going on or what can happen. You know, I said, you know, you just have to stand your ground, you know, especially, and she's a female too. And I said, do it. What do you have to lose? And I told her, if it makes you feel comfortable, you can come in a lot, you know, ride along with me. Look, you know, or if you feel, whoever you feel comfortable with. I mean, there's so many opportunities out there. It's not just the streets. And that's what I've told a lot of people also like that have asked me, you know, that fresh out of, you know, high school, going to college, I said, there's so much in a police department that you can do. It's not just being out on the streets. You can be a detective, you know, you can work, you know, in schools. I mean, there's so much you can be in a specialty, you know, it could be Whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do in this career, it can happen. And that's what I tell them. Sometimes they don't know about all these specialties. They're like, really? Like, I'm like, yeah. You know? And it's like, but then I have to think back. And I'm like, well, I didn't know that when I was their age either. You know? I just kept on Google. Google was my best friend. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're pretty amazing. You can fly a helicopter. You can be a tech medic. You can Absolutely. be an explosive ordinance um, you know, officer. There's so many different things we have to offer. And so uh, yes. final question for you. Where do you, you want to go in the department? What's your goals? Well, I would definitely, I would definitely like to go the supervisor route. Um, maybe be chief one day. <laughs> That's a long, long way. Grow but up big dreams. I love it. Absolutely. I, I always told myself, you know, if I'm going to do something, I want to do it right. And, I mean, there's going to be good days. There's going to be bad days. But that's I, – I feel like that's – honestly, that's what I want to be. I, I will be. I tell myself I will be. Awesome. Good for you. <laughs> I look forward to seeing you move up the ranks. <laughs> thank you. Damaris, thank you for your time today. Thank um, you so really much. We really appreciate it. But also thank you for your service to the community. And, and for being here with us and kind of giving us a, a sneak peek into you and who you are and, and kind of a behind-the-scenes look, um, you know, at some of our officers as we go through Hispanic Heritage Month. So to our listeners, we hope you enjoyed listening to this FCPD Black, White, and Blue podcast. We hope you tune in next week for another episode with another one of our Hispanic officers. <laughs>